Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college basketball, the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 167. Tune in tomorrow for a special episode of the 8311 Cast where your four hosts share and chat about their NCAA men's basketball tournament brackets and create a combined 8311 Cast bracket. That's coming out tomorrow. That is the day after this episode. If you're listening to this episode anytime after the day that it's posted, it will already have been posted. So definitely go check out that special episode of the 8311 Cast. But to get you warmed up for this week's episode, I have two fun facts for you. The first one is a kind of a fact, I suppose, but it's LSU is probably the first team to have fired their head coach before the NCAA tournament, um, you know, that late into the season. Is that actually true? I don't know. I didn't check because that seems like such a inconsequential fact that nobody would really care. And number two is an actual fact, and that's that Tom Brady will be the oldest quarterback to have started the season at the age of 45. Steve DeBerg is now number two. Uh, when he was starting for the Falcons in 1998 at 44 years old and 279 days. While we will be talking a little bit about the NFL in just a little bit, we first need to talk about some Cyclone basketball. Yeah, it is It is tournament time. Um, so we had the Big 12 tournament last week and the NCAA tournament coming up this week. Um, we In the, the Big 12 tournament, there's not much to talk about because we just, we just played bad. Um, we were not a good team. We got outplayed. I mean, lot, we didn't even get any luck either. Um, it was just not our game. We weren't supposed to win, um, and we didn't. We got destroyed. Um, probably cost us one line, one seed in the NCAA tournament, but overall, not that big of a deal because, you know, right now, nobody cares anymore. March Madness, right? Just, just the tournament. I would argue that with this men's team, for sure. Uh, the seeding almost doesn't matter because we've seen how this team plays up to competition and can play down to competition. So it, it almost matters more matchups than it does the quality of team because we know we can play with a Baylor and a Kansas and we can lose to a TCU or an OU. So it is what it is. We'll just hope that we can beat who's in front of us. And honestly, I just hope to see a game that's, you know, at least a little bit more competitive than what we've seen as of late. Uh I mean, that, that Texas Tech game, it was clear who was the better team that night, kind of kind of from the get-go. Um, there were a lot of, I, I mean, Iowa State did have a lot of great shots on, on basket. I, I will say there were there were a lot of good opportunities uh, early on in that half, game. They weren't taking bad shots. They were just missing no. them. And, and Isaiah Brockington, I, I messaged the group, I was like, Isaiah Brockington didn't really have a bad shot until right after I messaged that. And then he took a really bad shot after that, but it, it just wasn't going their way. Uh, free throws weren't going in. Um, I mean, Texas tech was running out cherry picking a little bit, um, but it was working for them. The defense wasn't, wasn't quite as solid as what we're used to, but I, I mean, Texas tech was hot. Th- they made it to the championship game and played a good game against KU, but We'll see. I mean, does the seeding matter too much for this Iowa State team? No. Did I think... I, I thought there were a lot of interesting seedings throughout the the tournament, and we're going to get into that a, a little bit uh, 
tomorrow or when we record our our special episode um, that everyone should stay tuned for. But this is, I think this is one of the best opportunities that Iowa State has. Playing in Milwaukee, Midwest region, it's going to be well supported by Cyclone Nation there. Um, and you get a program that, you know, has a, is in a little bit of turmoil right now. Uh, Asa La Vista, Will Wade, I, I don't know who their interim head coach is right now, but it, hey, maybe this is the perfect storm for Iowa State. So we'll see. Yeah, the, the Cyclone men are an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, as Kyle uh, mentioned, they're playing six-seeded LSU um, in the Midwest region, 5.20 p.m. tip-off on Friday. Um, the game will be on TBS in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So all of our Milwaukee listeners, you can look at getting tickets. I was looking at all the different regional sites. Like These games are like the most expensive tickets of like some, any of the regions. Probably because you've got Wisconsin and Iowa State there, which so you've got two two fan bases that are really really close. Um, probably jacks up those ticket prices quite a bit. Um, also, LSU's interim men's coach would be the esteemed Kevin Nickelberry. So there's a trivia fact for you. Kevin Nickelberry, interesting. What's a Nickelberry? The worst version of me, I guess. The whole thing. So speaking of a worse version, uh, as Mike was alluding to uh, talking with the group when we did a little bit of digging into this matchup, um, really LSU is a slightly worse version of Texas Tech that plays at a little bit of an accelerated pace. Um, more not, so, than, Not even a little bit, uh, of a very much accelerated pace compared to Texas Tech. Texas, right. te- Texas Tech... Uh, had is 211th in uh, tempo according to Ken Palm, and LSU is uh, 92nd. So that's quite a bit of difference. For reference, Iowa State is uh, 232nd. So, so uh, I mean, it's it's going to be uh, a test of can we slow them down. I, I mean, our best bet might be to is the LSU struggles. They have to travel, obviously, all the way from Baton Rouge. They they lost their head coach to the FBI scandal. Um, there's not a lot of stability in the program right now. So, will that will that come into play? Uh, will that help Iowa State? And I think one of the keys there, with how fast they like to play, Iowa State needs to limit those live ball turnovers. Um, there were a few against Texas Tech that really really hurt us uh, in that game and. With the pace of play of LSU, if you have too many live ball turnovers, this this game could get out of hand very quickly. Um, one thing that I've noticed throughout the season is that, and, and it's one of my frustrations, is that I don't think uh, TJ calls enough timeouts in certain big plays. I feel or big turning points are what I kind of feel like in the game. Um, whereas Scott Drew and uh, even Mark Adams of Texas Tech really handled the games and handled their timeouts in a way to kind of reel the team back in. TJ kind of lets them play and tries to let them figure it out. So I think that TJ needs to be able to manage this game. If there's a ton of live ball turnovers uh, and the pace of play is just getting too fast for this team, I think he's going to have to call some some big timeouts in crucial areas to to kind of reel this reel this team back in and slow this game down a little bit. Yeah, the controlling the pace is going to be one of the keys. I mean, 
this is not a good, but it's a game we can win, right? We play, I mean, we beat Texas Tech earlier in the year, so we can certainly beat a lesser version of Texas Tech, right? There's no reason why we couldn't. Um, it just seems like LSU is maybe slightly underseeded as a sixth seed to begin with. Um, and uh, that that certainly doesn't help us uh, either. So it's something, I mean, you've got to play the team in front of you. Um, ESPN BPI gives us about a 33% chance to win this game. Every site I've seen is somewhere around that. Um, so we certainly have a chance. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if we won, but I don't think any Cyclone fan should expect a win in this game. I think that would be be too much, but it certainly could happen. So we'll play that game is on Friday, and then if we win, we'll play the winner of Wisconsin and Colgate um, on Sunday at a to-be-determined time, also in Milwaukee. So that's that's what we got on the men's side. And, of course, we'll break down more matchups across the bracket in our special tomorrow um over on the women's side it was a a so-so week i don't know if i'd quite call it a bad week but it wasn't they weren't impressive this week uh arian you want to arian kyle you want to fill us in more on uh what happened on the women's side sure um i honestly didn't get a chance to watch the west virginia game i was busy during that but just following the score it seemed like we were playing a lot closer than we expected uh, obviously a win is a win, but you'd like to earn a couple style points at the end of the year. And then I was actually at the game uh, Saturday versus Texas, so I was watching in the arena for that, and we did lose in overtime to Texas. The first half was really good. Our offense was looking uh, just flowing, and it was everything was moving really well. Honestly, most of it was Ashley Jones putting the team on her back, but that's not uncommon. Um after that, the tone really shifted in the third. They must have made some good halftime adjustments, and we just never kind of got that momentum back. Texas was incredibly physical during the game. I didn't notice it at the game because they played zero replays the entire game for whatever reason on the screen, so it's hard to see down there on the floor. But uh, there was some some borderline dirty stuff where people were getting thrown down by the shoulders and the neck. Um, but they just kept escalating the physicality of the game over and over, and we did not respond, and the officials weren't calling it for so for whatever reason. So in my opinion, if they're going to call it that way or not call it that way, we need to bring it up too. But we just did not have the size to deal with uh, Lauren Abo down low, just a, a big girl who just backed her way in. We had nobody in her weight class, and she scored about six, eight points. It felt like really quick. Then we started doubling her, and she did a fantastic job passing right out of those doubles, generally to the other person in the post who their person came off of, and they scored a ton of points like that. And then feels like we gave Rory Harmon about six uncontested threes. She scored 30 points on us every time they swung the ball around. She was just wide open, and she nailed a ton of them. So it was a combination of them finding something that worked really exceptionally against us that we did not have an answer for, and then just we did not make an adjustment on that shooter if we would have just closed down on her a couple more times, we could have won that game, but it, it just kind of felt like a wasted opportunity when in the first half it was like we were going to finally exercise our demons versus Texas and get a win versus them. And then in the end, it just ended the same way it has every time this year when we play Texas or Baylor and we just lose. I don't know if you have anything else you want to add about it, Kyle. No, I I mean, I one, one of the frustrations and patterns that we've seen all year is uh, Iowa State playing up to better teams just doesn't go well. You look at 
um, the games against Baylor, the games against Texas this season. Um, They have yet to show consistency and the ability to beat the teams that are better than them. Um, And I think physicality is obviously a big one there. I don't know how this team gets more physical. They just, it isn't their MO. They are a four guard out, um, one forward in type of team. And the forward inside has absolutely nowhere near the size of of Texas's uh, post player that Lauren Ebo uh, um, just they they didn't play physical and they're not they're really not fast enough to like as Ariane was saying to get out of those double teams uh, and recover well enough. So um, this team is I feel like this team's just gonna have to get lucky. I think if they play someone play a team that has an incredible uh, forward with good size down down low, they're gonna really struggle in this tournament. And I mean, once they once they get into the the Sweet 16, um, it it could be it could get really interesting. Um, so the the this women's team is the three seed uh, in the tournament. Finding out finding that out on Selection Sunday, they do host uh, the 14 seed in UT Arlington at 8 p.m. on Friday. So big day. Uh, in the Cyclone basketball program with both the men's and women's team playing that day. Uh, that game will be on ESPNU. Uh, looking a little further in this bracket, it was really interesting to see that the committee would put both Iowa and Iowa State in the same bracket, uh, especially in the same region. Sorry, not in the same bracket, the same region with a potential Sweet 16 Cyhawk rematch. Um honestly it's kind of a shame that they they put both of those teams uh to possibly match up against each other so early um for for both prog- programs in the state of Iowa but I mean here's a here's a big opportunity for this women's team to to make it to the sweet 16 and then you know hey win that game you have bragging rights in the state of Iowa so uh big big opportunities for this for this women's team here in the NCAA tournament that's going to be a huge game um, in the state of Iowa. Um, unfortunately, that game is not going to be in uh, in Iowa, which is sad. The first round games, first and second round games, will be in Ames and Iowa City. Um, respect, uh, respect of, uh, respectively. But um, those second games will be in Greensboro, North Carolina. Not even particularly close. So that is a little unfortunate, but. That'll be a fun game. Cyhawk, we mentioned to see Ashley Jones and Caitlin Clark go at it again. Um, Cyclones did win the first game in Ames um, earlier this season, so that would just be a fun fun thing to see. I'm looking forward to that one. And yes, it is slightly presumptuous to already be looking forward to it, but upsets just don't happen in the women's tournament like they do in the men's tournament. There's a greater disparity of talent in the uh, women's game than there is in the men's game i'm not sure why but that's just the reality right now so the odds of a two or a three seed getting upset are just really pretty low compared to what they would be in the men's tournament where we're, i guarantee at least two two or three seeds aren't going to make it to the sweet 16 on the men's side so very different tournament but be fun. Tune into those games, and next on uh, next week's episode, we will uh, let you know how it goes, and hopefully, be looking forward to more basketball for one or both of those teams.
Over on the NBA, we are uh, getting close. We got about a month left until the playoffs. Um, Ariane, you want to tell us what's happened to you in the last week? Yeah, I'll just hit you with a couple quick uh, bullet points about just important things about it. And we'll, you know, once the playoffs start, we'll get a little bit more in depth. But obviously, with 30 teams and many games each week for all those teams, we can't follow everything. Uh, LeBron became the first player ever with 10K points, rebounds, and assists all together. So just really great credit to his longevity and also the fact that he can really do everything on the court. So that's pretty cool in history right there. Uh, Brooke Lopez is going to be back in the lineup tonight on the 14th. He has missed basically the entire season. And the Bucks are in third place, two and a half games behind the first seed. And they have not even been at full strength all year. So that's something to watch going forward. How does he get integrated? What are his minutes restrictions? And do they look that much better? And like a team who's ready to all the way run it back and get another championship, go back to back. Uh, Kevin Garnett had his jersey retired and mended his what I would call a grown man spat with Ray Allen. They're just two grown men who have been fighting with each other, more or less because somebody decided to go to a different team. It's always seemed a little bit immature to me, but apparently they're BFFs again now. So hooray, good for them. Uh, Greg Popovich is now the all-time NBA coaching wins uh, leader there. He broke the record of Don Nelson at 1,336, so definitely a legend of the game there. Happy to see that happen. Uh, We don't know exactly how long we'll see him coach after this, but uh, it is rumored that he is interested in coaching for another year, and then maybe Quinn Snyder is getting looks to replace him, the head coach of the Utah Jazz, but it is all wild speculation at this point, so I wouldn't put too much stock in that. Um, Phoenix has clinched a playoff spot now. They're the first team to clinch a playoff spot. Uh, And then on the flip side, Detroit and Orlando have both clinched uh, not being in the playoff spots. They are both mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, so good for them. They're working on the tank anyway, so they're looking for those high picks, hoping for a Chet home Does that mathematical elimination include the play-ins, so they can't even get into the play-ins? Yes, it does. So yeah, they're looking for a Chet Holmgren or a Paolo Bancaro or... Jaden Ivey, something like that. They were not really caring about the playoffs this week season anyway. And then speaking of the playoffs, I noticed Minnesota has moved up a little bit. They are now one and a half games from not being in the play-in, uh, pending any games tonight. Uh, the Nuggets are 1.5 games ahead of them. And then behind them in the play-in are the Los Angeles Clippers, Los Angeles Lakers, and the New Orleans Pelicans. However, Every single one of those teams I just listed have injured key players that may come back before the end of the season, and Minnesota is just doing what they're doing. So if everybody got back to full strength, you might not see that same picture, but as it stands now, they're getting closer and closer to just having a spot, so keep an eye on that. Yeah, see, but with with the Timberwolves' luck, right, now that the uh, Warriors are uh, struggling a little bit more, the the Wolves will... uh, Will uh won't manage to avoid the play-in game, or will manage to avoid the play-in game. But the Warriors will be the three seed instead of the Grizzlies, and we'll still get to get killed by the Warriors in the first round. That's what's going to happen now with this slot. I guess my question is: Would you rather get destroyed by the Warriors or get destroyed by the Grizzlies? Because I think you're going to lose to either one. So would you rather lose to an old team or a young team? I think the Wolves match up better against the Grizzlies than the Warriors. The the Wolves just beat the Grizzlies not too long ago in a really good game. Um, I think the Wolves could give the, the Grizzlies a series. I don't think the Grizzlies are nearly as good as the Warriors. At full strength, for sure. 
but they've had a lot of injuries and issues yeah. this year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah, worth keeping an eye on for sure. So the the Wolves, I was looking, have a key seven-game stretch coming up after Monday's game with the Spurs where they play um, a bunch of quality teams ending with a game uh, against the Nuggets. So by the end of that stretch, you'll uh, have a pretty good idea of where this Wolves team is going to end up. Overall, I would just say regardless, this season has felt like a success, I would call it. Oh, yeah, for Minnesota, absolutely. Okay, yeah. Any, any, any chance at the playoffs is, an, is a success for the Wolves at this point. This is, remember, this is a Wolves team that has won one playoff game in like the last 20 years or something. Since so. you've been alive, basically. Yeah, well, no, they had 2000, what was it, 2004, 2006? Oh, they I'm went sorry, to the I Conference forget how long ago 20 like years was. That was like 2002. Yeah. Not like they, 1990-something. They, they, with, with Kevin Garnett and Stephen Marbury, I believe, they, they made it run to the Western Conference Finals. But I was too young to know what was going on at that point, so that hardly counts. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, speaking of old, Tom Brady is old. And as we mentioned in the intro, he decided he wasn't too old because he is uh, back. He unretired after two months of being retired. I don't know why. But I, I don't... He didn't really give any insight as to why he decided to unretire. Like, yeah, he just decided it all of a sudden. I, I mean, know. I mean, he just said that he feels like he belongs on the field. And I guess no one can blame him. Was it a shock to some people? Yeah, but to other people, I think there are some people that still kind of either held out hope or were skeptical that he was actually retiring. Um, I wasn't entirely sure that he was going to stay retired, but I thought he would, he might take a year off and then, you know, come back next season. Not as a 46 year old this season. Well, I mean, who's to say that he's not going to play another year after this one too. I guess. I think after a year off when you're 46, you're kind of done. So, I mean, Hey, maybe you just like, you know what? I ain't a grocery getter. Uh, I'll uh, I'll get hit by some more three hundred pound men um, rather than go to Whole Foods. So two months was enough family time for him. He was like, "All right, you guys are cool. I get it. I'm gonna go back to football." <laughs> I like the guys better. Uh, but I mean, he's back. So Tom Brady and Tampa Bay have a legitimate shot at the Super Bowl again. So there there's another quarterback vacancy that is refilled, I guess. Instead of filled. So uh, speaking of quarterback vacancies that were refilled, um, Aaron Rodgers uh, goes back to Green Bay. Um, actually, no one really understands the contract yet because Aaron Ro- or it was reported that he was to get X amount of money over four years. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers came out and tweeted that none of the details are actually true. So this man just making everyone confused like normal. Uh, Kirk Cousins is extended. Mike, what are your reactions to paying Kirk Cousins a full, another fully guaranteed contract? Yeah, so it's a, it's a one-year extension. So it keeps Cousins in Minnesota through the 2023-2024 um, football season. It does... Um, lower his cap number for these next two years. Um, his cap number was going to be $45 million for this year. Um, it brought it down to about $31 million for both this year and next year. 
it did extend some money out past the length of the deal. So Kirk, there is like six and a half million dollars against the cap the next two years after he's done playing. Um, but the salary cap is expected to jump a lot after um, these next two years with a new TV deal coming into effect. So that's sort of what I see the Vikings betting on there is that six and a half million dollars to a quarterback you're not playing won't matter that much um, at that point. That's the play. Whether or not I like it, I mean, not exactly because I still think 31 and a half is probably too much to be paying Kirk Cousins if you want to win a Super Bowl. Um, we'll see if this new offensive-minded coaching staff can get um, anything out of him, anything more out of him than uh, Mike Zimmer could. But I still think that's probably not enough to uh, improve the offensive line and the defense enough that you can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. He's a he's a solid quarterback, but I still think $31 million is too much to pay him to win, to be on a Super Bowl winning team. If you could get him down to 20, then I think you could for sure win the Super Bowl with him, but he's obviously not going to take that. So yeah, all you can do is do what you can with your resources. So. Very expensive backfield in Minnesota in that Jeff- Justin Jefferson contract will be coming up sooner rather than later. So other quarterbacks in the in the NFL that made made a move. I mean, the probably the biggest trade in NFL history, I, I would say, is the Seattle Seahawks trading uh, Russell Wilson to Denver, getting a I believe three years worth of first round draft picks from Denver in return, as well as some players, Noah Fant. Uh, in particular being the headline there, Drew Locke, uh, as they swap quarterbacks, goes to Seattle as well. Um, I mean, what a crazy division in the AFC West now when you have Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, uh, Russell Wilson, and then Derek Carr is the worst quarterback in that division. Going to be a tough year, tough, tough year in the AFC West next year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Kansas City can remain on top or if the reins go elsewhere um, with the AFC West continuing other teams just continuing to chase the Chiefs uh, with the Chargers signing a lot on defense so far in this offseason and obviously the Broncos making upgrades to their offense. Um, Other quarterbacks that could have had an opportunity to play baseball this season, Kyler Murray ends the middle school drama, is posting back on social media. Speaking of social media, go check out our Twitter uh, as we continue to post hot stuff uh, throughout all of these free agency signings in the NFL and soon to be in the MLB, as we will speak to in a second. But first, or lastly, I want to speak to another big trade. Amari Cooper goes to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Cleveland Browns only giving up a fifth and a sixth round pick seems pretty cheap uh, in a trade to get one of the the best receivers over the past decade in the NFL. Um, And tons of money are going out to receivers in general. This receiver market seems to be overpaying uh, some middle of the pack receivers. I think Dallas overpaid Michael Gallup, a guy who can't stay healthy. Uh, The Jaguars way overpaid Christian Kirk, who was long the third best receiving option in uh, Arizona. Um, Didn't understand that run. One, Allen Robinson does finally get paid going to Cleveland. So Cleveland has two huge 
offensive weapons on the outside, uh, going from Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham to Amari Cooper and Allen Robinson. And then the Chargers get some must needed help on the outside with Mike Williams returning on a three-year contract uh, to go alongside Keenan Allen. So keep it keep it tuned here to the 8311 cast. We will try and fill you in on all things NFL free agency. But more importantly, Mike, I'm going to throw this one to you. Your favorite sport is officially back on track. Yes, they are. Baseball is back. The league and the Players Association finally agreed to a uh, new collective bargaining agreement. The deal was reached um, last Thursday afternoon. Um, They had some good bargaining sessions since we last chatted and uh, finally got a deal done um, on Thursday afternoon. I'll go over um, some of the details on what changed in the CBA as part of Mike's Stupid Rules. Um, But as far as what it means for this season, um, spring training has already started. Um, After the deal on uh, Sunday or on Thursday, players reported to camp for most teams over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Um, And to me, most importantly, they salvaged a full 162-game season. The league had said that they were canceling the first two weeks of games. But as I mentioned, the players said they weren't going to give them expanded playoffs if they didn't get paid for all the games. So the league relented and said they were going to play them all anyway. Um, so we preserved a full 162 games. Opening day will be April 7th, I believe. That should be a Friday. Oh, no. Yeah, April 7th, a Thursday, excuse me, um, will be opening day. Um, and uh, they'll extend the season by a week to um, make up um, for those games that were missed, and they'll sprinkle in some double headers as well um, to make up for lost games. So we'll play a full 162. Um, and with the new CBA ratified, it means that uh, trades and free agency signings could commence. And oh boy, has it been crazy um, on the trade market since then. Um, the Twins have made three, tra- three trades. Um, And frankly, I am very confused. Um, On Saturday afternoon, they traded Mitch Garver, their starting catcher, for Isaiah Kinderfalala or something. I I never even learned how to pronounce his name. Uh, Kinderfalafa. Falafa from from the Rangers. Um, And then on Sunday afternoon, they traded their first-round draft pick from last year, Chase Petty, to the Reds for Sonny Gray. And after that, I was like, okay, I think I see the Twins' plan. They're they're trying to retool and go for it this year. And then they trade Josh Donaldson and uh, Isaiah Kinderfalala. How do you pronounce that? I I never even learned how to pronounce his name. And the Twins traded him to New York. Kinderfalafa. Kinderfalafa. They traded him to New York literally 36 hour, less than 36 hours after they got him. They traded him to New York um, along with Josh Donaldson and the backup catcher to um, the Yankees for Gio Rochella and um, the catcher Sanchez. Um, and that move, right? So you obviously cleared up Donaldson's cap room, but I have no idea, or not cap room, just his salary. There was no salary cap in baseball. That didn't change in the CBA. Um, you got that money off the books, but like, I don't know. 
you you essentially traded you've traded two catchers in the last thirty six hours, and I I just don't see the long term plan here. Um, maybe they're going to make a big free agency signing, and that's why they uh, they did this. But for now, I'm just very confused. Um, other things across the league, um, the Reds and A's are both uh, in fire sale mode. The Reds traded Jesse Winker and Eduardo Suarez to Seattle um, earlier today, or earlier on Monday, um, for um, some prospects back from Seattle. And the A's um, traded Matt Olson to Atlanta already and are shopping um, both their big-name starters um, as well. So both of those teams are in fire sale mode, trying to cut salary and regain prospects for a rebuild. Um, there have been a few other trades um, across baseball as well um, that you can all um go keep an eye on and tons of free agent signings to major and minor league contracts as well. Um, so it's just been very active and it will, I expect it to continue to be very active um, until we, uh, we get to the start of the season. So first spring training games for most teams will be on Thursday and then uh, we'll, we'll hopefully start to see some of this settle down more um, in the near future. Did I did I miss any big transactions, Arian, Kyle? Anything that I missed missed in there? I think I got it all. Uh, you got most of it. the The A's did shop one of their top pitchers in Chris Bassett over to the to the New York Mets, um, and then another big big signing that um, people were wondering where where he would go. Clayton Kershaw ends up staying in uh, L.A. with the Dodgers um, on a one year deal. Uh, obviously with Matt Olson to Atlanta, uh, at, at first base means that it is the end of the era for Freddie Freeman in Atlanta. Um, he will be most likely going elsewhere. So, yeah. Yep. We, yeah. With Matt Olson there, they're not going to sign. Right. They do have a DH spot now though. One of them could theoretically DH, but you're right that it seems unlikely, um, to do that. Um, so. As I mentioned, Mike Stupid Rules, we're going to talk about um, the details of the new uh, CBA. Um, so let's start with the basics. Uh, it goes until December 1st, 2026. Um, so through the end of the 2026 uh, season, the length of the CBA. Um, expanded playoffs are now a thing. There are 12 teams um, from each um league in the playoffs the two division winners with the best records will receive a bye um the third division winner um will then play the wild card team with the least record um and then the other two wild card teams will play each other those will be three game series um there will also be um some schedule changes starting in 2023 um, interleague play specifically will change. That it will increase um, so that uh, all teams will play each other at least once during the year, during each year. So there'll be more interleague play in 2023. Um, also, game one tiebreaker, game 163s um, will be eliminated at least um, for 2022. A formula that is yet to be determined will be used to break the ties. Um, uh, uh, the designated hitter was adopted in the National League, 
So we now have a universal designated hitter. Um, the seven innings double headers and ghost runners on second base. Um, those have been eliminated, at least for now. Um, so that is good news if you're like me and don't want it, uh, don't want that to happen. Um, in 2023, there'll be some rule changes to um, to the game. They're going to increase base size from 15 square inches to 18 square inches. Um, there'll be a, a pitch clock, 14 seconds with no runners on base, and uh, 19 seconds with a runner on base. And um, defensive shifts are also going to be banned, um, proposed starting in 2023. Um, so not this year, but um, something to look at for 2023. Um, minimum salaries increased for players. The minimum salary for 2022 is now seven hundred thousand, increase, and that will increase twenty thousand dollars per season over the CBA. Um, let's see. Uh, there's also now a bonus pool for players who are uh, making the league minimum. Um, there is a $50 million bonus pool per season that will be divided among the top 100 players that fall um, in that range um, based on a to-be-determined formula that'll be somewhat like war. Um, so they also did a little bit to fix service time manipulation. Um, so the players that finish first and second in Rookie of the Year voting get a full year of service time regardless of how long they were called up. And um, teams that promote a player on opening day and keep them there for a full season could get extra draft picks if they finish um, high in Rookie of the Year or MVP voting. The also most significant one is that a player can no longer be optioned to the minors more than five times in a single season. So that will stop some of the shuttling pitchers back and forth between um, AA and the majors. Specifically, it happens with pitchers. Um, there's a lot more to it, too. I'm not going to go over all of it. Um, I encourage you all to look it up. But those were the biggest things um, that changed that most teams will notice. Um, are there any other uh, are there any questions from any of, of you, things that you want to know about, things like that? So question, you mentioned pitch clock. So what are what are the ramifications of exceeding the pitch clock? Like are there warnings and then if if it continues happening, what like what's the penalty? Yeah, so my understanding is that um a ball will be called against the pitcher if uh he does not deliver in the time um allotted on the pitch clock. That's my understanding. So but some of those details will be worked out um, by a committee before the start of the 2023 season. So you won't see that this year. It'll be next year. Yeah. And then another question, maybe some of our listeners, I know I proposed it to you already, but why larger bases? Like, like what's the, what's the need for those? Yeah, so there's sort of a two rationale for longer bases. The first one is it should reduce injuries at first base in particular um, because it just gives a little more separation between the first baseman and the runner. Um, and secondly, it should add for a little bit more action on the base paths, right? If each base is three inches bigger, like you now have six less inches you need to go to steal 
second base, right? Or third base. So that should, in theory, increase stolen base attempts and success rates. So a little more action in between balls in play. Yeah. I mean, that should, I, hopefully that all uh, adds to the overall, um, like, excitement of watching the game of baseball. Like, I don't think those are drastic changes that hurt the game of baseball by any means. No. I Personally, I don't love the shift ban just because I think hitters should adjust. But um, I, that's not something, that's not a hill I'm going to die on um, as far as baseball rule changes. But I'm definitely in favor of the pitch clock. I think that's a good change. Get on the mound and throw the ball. You don't need to wander around for 30 seconds in between pitches. It's just not necessary. I.e. Max Scherzer. I'm actually not a fan of the pitch clock, but I wouldn't argue against it. However, I agree with you that banning defensive shifts is um, silly, in my opinion. However, the hill I will die on is that the universal designated hitter is absolute garbage, and I abhor this change. I dealt with it during the COVID season when the NL had the DH, and I didn't like it. And I really, really, really don't like it now that it's being in place for the normal season from now on until, you know, uh, forever, essentially. I think it's garbage that a pitcher is exempt from hitting a ball. That's crap. I've, I've gone on record saying this before. I agree. I think pitchers hitting is, is more exciting for the game. It adds more strategy. Um, it's more fun. Um, but having the two leagues be different was just disastrous, in my opinion. So, I mean, yes, this was not the best outcome, but it's better than the way it was, in my opinion. I mean, there's pitchers who want to hit. Zach Granke loved to hit. One of the reasons why he wanted to go to the NL uh, for the Royals drafted him. I mean, look at Madison Bumgarner and Clayton Kershaw even somewhat likes to hit. So you do have some pitchers who like to go up there and swing a bat still. Uh, Obviously, Shohei Otani's very good at it, Um, but he's a DH anyway, as he should. So I don't know. It definitely plays the game differently with the strategy of how you win some innings if you if the pitcher's on deck. But I I think you should. It's been a part of the game for so long now. Like why is why is that the change that we needed in order to bring excitement back to baseball? Maybe. I mean, it's not to me. Most of these changes, minus the enlarging enlargement of the bases actually do a whole lot for improving the excitement or retaining the viewership of baseball. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to me you're trying to fix you're trying to fix problems without knowing the cause. Um you're just trying to fix things before you've done some investigations, but at least they're trying things. They realize that something needs to change and they're trying things even if they're not trying the right things. So you got to give them at least some credit for that. That's right. They're doing something. Yeah, I think they're hoping that the combination or amalgamation of all these things can combine to make a better product. Not necessarily that one of those or the other are going to solve it like a magic key, but maybe all of those things together, if you make enough changes that are small, it'll tweak it so that it's overall a little bit of a, a more appealing product. Yeah. Yep. And we'll see. It'll be multiple years before we figure um, all of this out. Um, and its effect on the game, but certainly something to keep an eye on. Again, none of those three changes, the bases, the shift band, the pitch clocks are coming for this 
season. That'll be in 2023. So the DH, though, will, the Universal DH is happening in 2022. The, Nats, the Nationals just signed Nelson Cruz to be their DH, for example. So that, that's a thing. Any other questions, or does that cover, cover pretty much everything? I'm filled in. Awesome. We will uh, fill you in on our accountability session here, too. It's quite a big one. We had a lot of NCAA tournament-related predictions um, on the board that are all going to have to uh, come off now that the selection show is, so we'll jump right into it. Ariane predicted the Iowa State men's team would be a sixth seed or higher in the NCAA tournament. I assume my interpretation is higher meant like six or five, four, et cetera. Oh, can I make that argument now? Uh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> so just wanted to state that for the record. Uh, so for that, that's wrong. So you get a nap. Nah. Nah. Um, I predicted the ISC women's team would get a three seed or better in the NCAA tournament. Uh, three seed they did get. So ding, 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 ding. But I doubled down and said they would get a one seed, which they did not get. So, nah. Kyle predicted that the women would be a pre-tourney AP top 10 team, which they were. They were 10th when the poll came out on Monday. So, ding, 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 ding. But Kyle doubled down and said the Cyclone women would win the Big 12 tournament, which they didn't with their loss to Texas. So, I predicted that the Vikings would trade Kirk Cousins and get at least a second round draft pick. Um, I'm just assuming they're not going to trade him at this point. Maybe they'll pull a twins and just surprise us all, but I'm taking this off the board. So, nah. Nah, nah, nah. I also put it that Major League Baseball would play a full 162-game season, which I almost took off the board last week after they canceled some games. But I'm like, let's just wait one more week, and I'm glad I did because now that is going to be correct. So, ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. ding. Uh, Josh predicted that Aaron Rodgers is going to leave Green Bay. He is not. So, nah. 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 And we'll round it out by Arian predicting that Kyle will not make the fantasy basketball playoffs, which is true. He lost out on the tiebreaker to Victor, who is now dominating so far early in the fantasy basketball playoffs. Uh, so Arian gets a ding, 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 ding. Good job, Arian. Is that your second ever correct prediction, I believe? Uh, it depends on how far we go back, but it's third this season, I think. No, second this season. Oh, I'm, I'm just glad that I could uh, contribute to your success, um, seeing that I never contribute to mine in the write-that-down prediction Thank sector. you. I appreciate that. So, well, and, and per our rules, uh, the person who won last season always gets to go first this season. So, Mike... What do you got for us this week? Yep. Um, as we mentioned, um, we got that potential Cyhawk matchup uh, in the women's Sweet 16. I am predicting, one, that that matchup happens, and two, that the Cyclone women win it. Okay. So what is the what are the odds that both teams make it to the Sweet 16? Yeah, according to 538, um, the odds that both teams make it to the Sweet 16... Uh, they give Iowa an 85% chance and Iowa State an 82% chance. So uh, it's about a 70% chance that they both make it. 
So single that they make it, and then what are the chances? What are the odds of Iowa State winning that game? I give. I mean, they're out, not out flip. yet. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I'd put the game that game at a coin flip if it happens. Yeah. So. So it's about a thirty-five yeah, percent chance overall. Yeah, that's a double. Double. Mm. Is that du- I mean, is that a, still single? No, no that's Terrible? double by our metrics, that's right? A double for okay. sure. Th- yeah, thirty percent a there's, double. There's two two things there. Yeah, that's a double. It doesn't feel like a double though. Not gonna lie. I mean, like if I, I phrased it, it as be. the Cyclone women would make the Elite Eight, like that's what you that should. Have. I, it, it, I mean, it's still technically the same outcome. I know it's the same what prediction. Sounded cooler. That that thirty some odd percent just doesn't feel like a double. Yeah, but it is. I think it should be. Yeah, I, I'm I agree. For, I'm on board for a double. Yeah, double it is. Do you have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Uh, yep, he is. He is deciding whether to uh, go to that Cyclone game uh, in Milwaukee. Um, but whether or not he is there, he is predicting the Cyclones will get the win uh, over LSU in that game. So what, 33% chance we said? Yeah, depending on what site you look at, it's anywhere between a uh, 33% to 25% chance, depending on what site you look at. I mean, I guess we'll uh, a precedent here that we just set and call that a double, right? It's probably Y'all. what I would say, yeah. Yeah. Double it is. Y'all are distracted by the women's basketball matchup in the Greensboro region, but did you know that it's technically possible for the men's basketball teams of Iowa and Iowa State to also meet in the Elite Eight of the Midwest Division? So that's what I'm predicting. They're going to they're gonna meet up in the, uh, the NCAA tournament. On the men's side? Yup. Is, uh, is this a triple or a home run? So according to 538, there's a 29% chance that Iowa makes it to the Elite Eight and a 4% chance that <laughs> Iowa State does. So that would be like a 1% chance that this happens, according to oh, 538. So this seems like a home run. run. Ariane, you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. That seems safe. I like yeah, these Cal- ones that are. I like these ones that are easy to put a percentage on. It makes it very easy. That's it's nice. We're gonna put it into that now uh, with Kyle's prediction. Yeah. What do yeah, you got, Kyle? Well, Is it a percentage based one? Uh, I'll let you guys be the judge of that. Uh, so I'm saying that Arion will lose to Victor in fantasy basketball playoffs, and that Victor will go on to win the fantasy championship. So basically, Victor will win the fantasy championship, but Ariane, there's a little dig in there for you. You're welcome. This, this is obviously a, a revenge prediction from someone who is bitter because they lost out on the playoffs. So I feel like I, as I, retribution, we should just give him a single and move on. I, I would say <laughs> that I would say that it's not bitter because now I don't have to be embarrassed in the playoffs. Also, I always lose in the playoffs, so that's almost a given. There's no way that that's a single, though. I mean, probably a double. I don't know. What do you What do you guys think? Single or double? Wyatt, what do you say? I don't know. I stopped setting my lineup after I started doing a really, really bad. Oh, we all noticed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll I say a double because I feel kind of bad for Kyle. <laughs> double it is. Yeah, I'm going to lean towards double. Sorry, so just- Ariane. Part of me and Kyle's ongoing write it down feud, apparently. <laughs> All right. What about you, Ian? What do you got? All right. My prediction is uh, 
with Jarvis Landry uh, no longer on the Browns, I'm going to predict that the Chiefs will sign Jarvis Landry. Yeah, you can't put a percentage on that either. No, you cannot. Uh, I honestly think this is a single. No. Yeah, right? One out of 32, I guess, would technically be, I guess, one out of 31. (laughs) (laughs) The Browns aren't taking him back. (laughs) I mean, is... I think this is probably a double. I guess. I mean, technically, there's a market out there for him, but ever before he was even released, it was everyone was saying that he's probably going to go to the Chiefs. So I, I don't think this is a triple. Everyone also said Tom Brady was going to retire. So what everybody thinks. Some uh, people said that. Matter. Some people were doubting it, though. You know. I mean, do the Chiefs have enough cap space? I mean, he'll probably have carry a cap hit of at least $10 million, and the Chiefs are already $6 million over the cap as of right now. So, I mean, they just they just handed out an, a three-year contract breaking news recently. So, I don't know. They're going to be they're going to play some some cap hoops. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they are, but I don't think this is a triple. I say double. Double's fine yeah, with me. I'm fine I mean, didn't you just say single? Double it is. Okay. With four doubles and a home run, that concludes our write that down prediction segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 167 of the 8311 cast. We hope to see you next week on episode 168. But before then, our special episode coming out tomorrow in between 167 and 168, where we, of course, Go over our NCAA men's basketball tournament brackets and create a combined 8311 cast bracket. It's going to be a lot of fun. You will be there and we will be happy to see you there. But until then, signing off for the 8311 cast. We have your hosts Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Tito. Talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones.